Amen. Open your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We may end up going back into John 16 for a little more, but we're going to move ahead into John 17 this morning. What would you do if you knew you only had a few days to live? What would you do? I know some of you are probably thinking, I'd go skydiving. What would you do if you found out you only had a few days to live? Well, Jesus Christ knew everything that was coming. You know what he did? He set aside some time to go into an upper room with God's people and leave them instructions. You've heard of the Lord's Prayer. That is really the disciples' prayer. That is where they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's not what takes place here. There's no Our Father here. There's Father. Oh, Father. This, this is the Lord's Prayer. This, John chapter 17. And it's one of the most important chapters in the Bible. We'll probably end up spending quite a bit of time in this text over the next few weeks. But what I want you to see in this passage it's divided into three sections. The first section is Jesus' prayer for himself. The second section is Jesus' prayer for his disciples. And then the third section is Jesus' prayer for us, for those who would be saved after the disciples and through their work. And it's just an amazing text. There are seven times in this prayer that Jesus Christ asks that the Father be glorified. So what do you think Jesus Christ's priority was? The glory of God. The glory of God. There are seven times when Jesus prays that His disciples will overcome the world. That they will overcome the world. Why? Because what is the greatest need for people who follow Christ? To overcome the world. To overcome the world. Why? Because everything about us and around us has been influenced by the world, and that's the world in which we live. So let's start in verse 1, and let's look at this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said... Our Father, is that what it says? No, Father, the hour has come. Now, all through the Gospel of John, when Jesus, His mother, comes to Him and says, um, hey, they're out of wine for the, for the celebration. He says, woman, my hour has not yet come. When they tried to take Him and kill Him, He said, my hour has not yet come. What is His hour? It's the time that He would die on the cross. That's the hour that He was pointing to. And now... The hour was come. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. I want you to think about something. If you knew that you were about to be taken and have the skin ripped off your body and furrows plowed in your back, that you're going to be beaten with rods and punched with fists and spat upon, you knew that you were going to be pierced because the Bible says that. And of course, Jesus knew all things, but the Bible had also recorded it. You knew that you were going to be nailed to a cross and stabbed with a spear. You knew all of that. Wouldn't you pray that the pain would be less? That the humiliation would be borne gracefully? How would you pray? I know when I've gone into surgery, I've prayed that, you know, that the pain won't be bad, that the surgeon won't leave any tools inside me, and that, that you know, I'll be able to heal quickly. I've prayed that I don't embarrass my Lord while I'm under sedation. I've prayed that. Doctor, people say stupid things, weird things when they're, uh, yeah, all the time. 
It's, uh, we all have, that's not what Jesus Christ prayed for. What did he pray for as he was going to the cross? That the Father would be glorified in the Son. How many of you have something coming up in the next month that you're not looking forward to? Would you raise your hand? Here is the prayer. Here is the prayer that the Lord Jesus is teaching us. He has taught us to pray as we enter into that. Lord, be glorified in this. Lord, regardless of what happens to me, receive glory in this. How many of you, that's a challenge for you today? Me too. Often, often, my prayer is not, Lord, receive glory in this. It's, Lord, deliver me from this. And now there are prayers of deliverance in the Bible, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. How many of you would rather not suffer pain than suffer pain? Any of you there? And you know that God can deliver you from those things. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul prayed. He said that the Word of God would have free course and be glorified and that we would be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men, for all men have not faith. So praying for delivery, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not where the Lord Jesus Christ began. His prayer was that God would receive glory. Verse 1 again. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him... Now look at what it says. Power over all flesh that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Let's look at this power, this power that he's talking about. Go to John chapter 5. Look at verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So when people stand before God, they're standing before God the Son. Is that right? Is that what the Bible says? So Jesus Christ is the judge. Look at verse 23. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. So Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus Christ is actually God. So what are they doing? They're not honoring the Son, are they? They're not honoring the Son. And guess who they get to stand before at the last day? The Son. The Son. We were out at uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. We're all up at the top of Trail Ridge Road, highest road in America. And there's a welcome center there. And we always enjoy going in there. There's What's amazing is how many knickknacks there are on top of Rocky Mountain National Park. I mean, you can find thimbles and shot glasses and knives and, and a bunch of stuff that you will never need. It's all there. If, you, if you're looking for something you don't need, go there. But it's always fun to go in there and get a cup of coffee or something. And as we were walking out, I noticed the Jehovah's Witnesses had the table set up. And they were talking to a guy. And so I just walked up behind them and I just stood there for a minute. And he, they're talking to him. And I said, sir, did they tell you that Jesus isn't God? Did they tell you they don't believe that he's God, that they don't believe in eternal punishment? Did they tell you? And I started going through this list of all the stuff that they don't believe that violates Christianity. No, no, they didn't tell me. I said, you probably ought to go away from these people. They'll send you to hell quicker than anybody. And I came out a few minutes later and the table was gone. They'd moved it, you know. <laughs> um, what were they doing? They weren't honoring the Son. We need to honor the Son. Amen. We, when you hear people, they're athletes or, or um, musicians, you know, someone will do a song with the 
filthiest lyrics in the world and win a Grammy Award and thank God. Right? Very rarely do you hear them say, though, I thank my Lord Jesus Christ. See, what's the difference? Because they have made a God. They have made their own God. And we'll see that in a second. But we worship God through Jesus Christ. We worship God as revealed in Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came and revealed the Father. Remember, the disciples said, show us the Father. And He said, have I been with you so long and still you don't know? If you've seen Me, you have seen the Father. The power, when the Bible says here that thou hast given, as thou hast given him power, verses chapter 17, verse 2, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that is the power of Almighty God. That's who we worship. When we honor him, that is the one that we worship. And what is that power? What is it the power to do? Look at John chapter 1. Verse 11, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He what? Power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And when they become a son of God, He has the power to give them eternal life. Eternal life. Go back to John 17 and we'll see that. Now remember, this is still Jesus Christ's prayer for Himself. He's giving us some information about Himself in His prayer to the Father. Verse 2 again. As thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal. How many of you know that a lot of people are looking for eternal life? What's next? There's a, a television show out right now. It's called Proof. And the premise is they're looking for proof of eternal life. E proof of eternal life. We have proof of eternal life. Do you know what it is? And this is life eternal. It's written in the Word of God. God told us that there is eternal life. And there's only one way to get it. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. So let's talk about this only, knowing the only true God. Now, in our society, especially following the Supreme Court's decision on homosexual marriage, there are many groups that call themselves churches that are accepting that lifestyle. How many of you recognize that that's true? It's a big problem. I heard John MacArthur interviewed this week, and the, the, the questioner said, what about the church and the church accepting this lifestyle? And he said, that's not God's church, that's Satan's church. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. That is the church of Satan. How many think that's a strong statement? It's very interesting. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is a parenthesis. Why would he say that that's the church of Satan? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 9. Know ye not 
that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor, idol nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with man mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. What is that teaching very clearly? That anyone in those lifestyles, they need to be saved from those lifestyles in order to be able to go to heaven. It couldn't be any clearer. So if you tell someone you are welcome to stay in that lifestyle and Jesus Christ will still receive you. That is a clear violation of God's word. That's Satan's message. That is salvation without repentance, which is another gospel, which the Bible says is accursed. Amen? So what do we need to do? We need to make sure that the gospel that we preach is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that honors Him as if it is honoring the Father. And that is the God that we worship. And this is life eternal, that they might know the one true God and the Son whom Thou hast sent. That's the only way you can have life eternal. We must worship the one true God. If that's not the God that's being worshipped, then there is no eternal life. Is that right? Would you all agree with that? So that's why MacArthur would make such a bold and a strong statement. And that is the kind of church that Jesus Christ will spew out of His mouth. Wicked, worldly church. A wicked, worldly church can never glorify God. And we looked at the passage in the Sunday school hour, but seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But the only way you can have that peace is to have His righteousness. And there is no salvation apart from God's righteousness. And God's righteousness does not condone drunkards and all of that behavior. Amen? Come to this church and commit adultery. That's just fine. We have no problem with that. Go ahead. That's all great. Do that. That's perfect. It's a healthy, alternative lifestyle. You're welcome here. Well, adulterers are welcome here. You're welcome to come here hear the truth and get right with God. Homosexuals are welcome here. They're welcome to hear the truth and get right with God. Amen? And this is where this becomes so important. Okay, so I'm going to tie this together for you. Go back to John 17 and then get 1 John chapter 5. Okay, so we're going to look at verse 3 again in 1 John, or I'm sorry, John 17 and verse 3. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. All right? So that's a good synopsis of what eternal life is. It comes from the Father through the Son. You all with me on that? Keep your place in John 17. Go with me to 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse um, 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, 
that he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news. When you're saved, when you're saved, God doesn't see you as a drunkard or an adulterer. He doesn't see you as a homosexual. He sees you as a son. He sees you as righteous. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you all agree with that statement? Right? you all agree with that statement? Does God then love drunkenness and adultery and homosexuality? Does He love that? No. How many of you recognize that that's just a preposterous position? It's just completely foolish and nonsensical. It is a, it's the product of a reprobate mind, and we'll look at that in another service sometime. But look at, look at what it says. I love this. And the wicked one toucheth him not. Verse 19. And we know that we are of God. And how much of the world lieth in wickedness? Is that becoming more and more evident to us? All that is in the world. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. All right? Now, here's the good news. Look at verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come. Do you know that? Let me get a better amen than that. Come on. You know, is the Son of God come? <laughs> amen. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us, I love this right here, an understanding that we may know Him that is true and we are in Him that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. He's true. He's true. What is the problem with those churches that MacArthur identified as the churches of Satan? What's the problem with them? Look at the next verse. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. What is an idol? A God of your own making. What is idolatry? Creating a God of your own making. If you have a God that condones homosexual behavior, that is not the God of the Bible. That is a God of your own making. Is that right? If you have a God that condones immoral behavior, that is not the God of the Bible. That God cannot bring salvation. That God does not deserve to be worshipped. That God cannot give you eternal life. That God cannot redeem you from your sin. That God can never overcome the world. Our God can. Look, look at verse 20 again. I love this verse. And we, what's it say? No. We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. Aren't you glad that we have a no-so faith? When someone asks you a question about God, you don't have to say, I don't know. Here, let me tell you what the, let me tell you about that God. Let me tell you about that Jesus. Let me tell you the one that I worship. He's altogether lovely. He's holy. He's righteous. He's loving. He's forgiving. He loves so much. He loved you so much that He died on the cross to save you from that sin. That sin that we're talking about, it's not okay. It's so bad, you will go to hell. You will. But Jesus Christ loved you so much, He took your penalty for you. If you'll repent of that sin, He will save you. That's the true God. That's the one that gives eternal life. That's the one. Now listen, that Jesus Christ was praying when He knew He was going to die, that's the one that would receive glory. Is that your passion? Is that your heart? 
that God will be glorified and receive glory in everything that you do. How many of you recognize that we have a soft Christian culture? A soft Christian culture. It is so rare to hear a preacher preach against what the people in the pew are actually doing. Why? Because we all want to feel good. I like feeling good. How many of you like feeling good? Right? And when someone corrects me, that doesn't feel good. Now, i got to tell you, if you came to a church that that's all the preacher ever did, have you ever been to a church like that? I have. That's, that's a bad place to be because what happens is we, call, we identify those as legalistic churches where you're just constantly under the law, constantly under the law. Man, there's no liberty in that. Aren't you glad that God has given you liberty? That God has given you freedom, right? And so what is the preacher's job? The preacher's job is to lift people up to the place where they can see God, right? But in order to do that, many times things have to be removed so that they can see God. It's like you're building a cabin on the side of a mountain and you want to see the view. You might have to move some rocks, you might have to move some trees, and you do that work, and now you've got the view. If you want to see God, there are some things that you're going to need to remove from your life. That's the preacher's job. The pastor's job is to get people in line with God, to give people the opportunity to hear from God. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. How many of you enjoy being rebuked? How many of you enjoy rebuking? There's no, that's not fun, is it? And yet, if we are going to order ourselves to where everything that we do is for the express purpose of bringing glory to the Father through the Son, what's that going to take? Reprove? Rebuke? Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. How many recognize that's where we need to be? We need to be under that. That's the importance of preaching. Now, go back with me. Let's just look at verse 21 here again. I don't want to leave before we uh, do this. Look at the end of verse 20. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why are they supposed to keep themselves from idols? Because idols can't lead you to the one true God. Right? And we have a whole lot of people that are worshiping a God that is not the God of the Bible. They call themselves Christians, but they are not worshiping the God of the Bible. How many of you think that brings glory to God? Does it bring glory to God? No, no. Okay, back to John 17. Look at verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. So what he's saying is, I'm about to go to the cross, and I'm going to, to, to die, and I'm going to rise from the dead, and then I'm going to ascend to your right hand. I want you to have glory in all of that. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. But what had he done? He had already glorified the Father on the earth. How had he done that? Because he showed them the Father. That's how he did it. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, look at what he did. How did he glorify the Father? Now, how many of you want to glorify the Father 
the way Jesus did. Would you raise your hand? That that would be, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that's what you want to do. Now, some of you I know you don't want to raise your hand because I might say something like, well, then go to a cross and die. No, I'm not going to get you this time, okay? I'm going to be nice. Um, so let's look at how he... And that's what he does. He tells us he glorified him. He's done that. And then he shows us how to do that, okay? So look at verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men. All right, what men? Unto his disciples. So for those close to him, to those that he was ministering with, he made plain, manifest, he made evident. Look at what it says. I have manifested thy name. Okay? So he he showed them who God is. So let me ask you a question. Do you show people who God is through your life and through your words? Are you doing that? If you're not doing that, then you're not glorifying the Father the way Jesus did. Is that fair? So this is, this is, how, this is our how-to manual for bringing glory to God in the world. All right? So, I have manifested thy name which thou gavest me, or to, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now, look at verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. So here's a way that you can show people and bring glory to God. Someone says to you, man, you did a good job today. Give the glory to God. Give the glory to God. Amen? So Larry, the water worked really well this week. Give the glory to God. Some of the drains didn't work so good. We need to talk about that. But <laughs> Give the glory to God. Amen? Give the glory to God. Everything that I have comes from God. You heard somebody say, man, you sure have beautiful children. And give the glory to God. We used to tell Lydia when she was little, um, people always told her that she had pretty hair. You know, you have, you have pretty hair. What we would tell her was God gave you pretty hair. Isn't that a difference? That's a difference. Um, what The way that we manifest His name in the world is to give Him credit for everything that happens in our lives. That is good. If I do something bad, that's not God's fault. If I have something good, it is. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Right? Is that what the Bible says? All right. So, very simple. I've manifested thy name, verse 6, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Look at verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. How do you bring glory to God? By giving people the word of God. By giving people the Word of God. How do you do that? Well, that means you've got to know it, don't you? You've got to spend time in it. You've got to know it. You've got to keep His Word. That's what the Bible said a minute ago. And look at what it says in the middle of verse 8. And they have received them, what? His words. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now, you ready for this? How many of you want to bring glory to God the way that, that Jesus did? Are you with me? Okay. Now, let me, let me tell you, I'm, I'm a little nervous now because I feel like I'm being really boring because I'm getting a lot of this. So, here, listen. If you haven't heard anything else in the sermon, I want you to get this. I'm going to show you something that's going to shock you from one of the most famous verses in the Bible. I'm going to show you how most all of Christianity prays wrong. Look at how Jesus prayed. You ready? Look at verse 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, 
for they are mine. Lord, I pray for this world. This world's awful bad. I pray for this world. He's already told you what's going to happen to the world. Lord, I pray that you don't do what you said you're going to do. What, did he, what prayers did he say he would answer? Those that we pray according to his will. His will is that it all burns. His will is that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. Is that what God's will is? God's will is that there's a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Why? Because this world is full of sin and evil and wickedness. Isn't that right? It's so important that we get this. How do you pray? We're supposed to pray for the believers. We need to pray for the believers in Iraq that are being persecuted by ISIS. We need to pray for the believers that are being persecuted in Syria by ISIS. We need to pray for those in China that are under the oppression of a communist regime. We need to pray for those believers that are in Russia right now with Putin rising up and trying to establish a a theocracy again under the Orthodox Church and Bible believers are going to begin to be persecuted again. We need to pray for the believers. We don't pray that Putin will gain more power. We pray that the believers will be preserved and helped and aided in this evil world. How many of you want to bring glory to God? And don't pray for this world. This world is going down fast. You know what you should pray? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Help us to lead as many people to Christ as we can. We need to pray for the salvation of souls. Pray and name people. Pray that God will do something in their lives and that they will respond to the gospel. Verse 9 again, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. How cool is that? These disciples were about to deny him. How many of you have made a decision in your life that you know didn't bring glory to God. Would you raise your hand? Me too. You know what I'm glad? Because Jesus Christ is in me, I still bring glory to God. I'm His. He's not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of me. Is that awesome? He's not ashamed of you. He loves you. He He is praying this prayer they, you, you're glorified in them, knowing they're all going to. He tells them they're they're all going to. You're going to go. Look at chapter sixteen, verse thirty. Now we are sure. This is what the disciples tell him. Now we are sure that thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus answered, "Do you now believe?" Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. But he just prayed. Look at verse 10, end of verse 10 of chapter 17. And I am glorified in them. Are you ready for this? Here's so cool. This is so cool. Did you know you don't have to be perfect to glorify God? Do you know what that means? You're qualified. If you're saved, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you can bring glory to God. Even after you've messed up. You know that God has a plan for you knowing that you're going to mess up? 
Did you know that? You know, Brother Farrier, I hate to say this to you. You're probably going to mess up again. <laughs> God still has a plan for your life. You're bringing glory to Him. I mean, that's encouraging to you. Isn't that a blessing? So here, uh, I'm just telling you, I don't know. I seriously doubt that I could respond properly being beaten for the Lord. You know how I know that? I get mad when people don't know how to use the drive-thru at McDonald's. Have you ever noticed there's rarely a person with an IQ over 50 in that line? Have you ever noticed that? Pull up, please! i got to order! I need my hamburger. I'm dying. So I know that I probably wouldn't behave very well on the cross if I can't stay patient in the line at McDonald's. Okay? And yet, I can bring glory to God. You know what I can still do? I can still manifest His name. I can still give them the words. I can still give Him the glory. I can still pray for believers. I can do all of that. Why? Because Christ is in me. You ready for this? You all ready to say amen? You ready? Here we go. Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. I can bring Him glory. Man, I'm not a good person. I'm saved. Jesus loves me. He knew who I was and what I would do the moment that He saved me. And I can give Him glory. Why? Because He showed me how. Let's be like Jesus. Amen? Let's make that our goal. Lord Jesus Christ, we need You so desperately.